Hey, Pastor John Aiken here. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Faith Center podcast. We hope today's teaching will awaken and equip you to live out your God-given purpose. Enjoy. Get your sermon notes out. The first word I want to speak to you is just a word to the entire family. And the reason why I'm doing this is because I genuinely sense the Lord wanted me to do this. So I'm trying to be obedient to what I feel like he's saying. I figure that's a pretty good idea for a pastor to do that. Um, instead of just trying to get through just a sermon of something I want to preach. And so we are in a ramp season. We're in a ramp season. It started uh, a, a few months ago. I was sitting back in that back row praying and praying about a few different things, and particularly the youth. And I felt like the Lord said ramp. And, like, and I, it could have been audible. It was, it was, if it wasn't audible, it was right underneath it. It was so strong. I heard the word ramp. And from there, it's just God's been doing all kinds of stuff. I'm telling you, we're in a ramp season. So to give more clarity and definition on that, we were praying this Saturday. The elders get together and we pray every Saturday morning here. Um, we have times of praying through the week. I believe prayer is really important. And so Saturday morning we're praying and, and we're talking about this a little bit. And, and I gave some, some clarity and some language to this ramp season. And I want to speak it to everybody and share a verse with you that God gave me on Saturday morning that I'm supposed to share with you. So the ramp season, uh, to, to be a, more, a little bit uh, more elaborate and let you put some story to it, is just like Joshua and Caleb were part of the Israelites that were called out with Moses out of Egypt. And, and there was a, a journey that they were supposed to make to the promised land. Could have took 11 days, but it ended up taking 40 years the journey through the wilderness. And God had a plan. God had a purpose. Anytime God saves you from something, he saves you for something. And in between, you go through some things. And so there is a 40-year difference. And then there came a time um, where Joshua was commissioned to lead the people into the promised land. Coming out of Egypt, they crossed the Red Sea. Going into the promised land, they crossed the Jordan River. Both are like ramps. The, the name Jordan means, means a flowing, like a flowing, uh, a flowing of a river, and it can even speak to overflow. So I want you to think about a ramp, like going to a, a next level, not like in the old day, like I don't know how y'all were, but we used to put logs down and put a piece of wood that we found and try to do bike jumps and stuff like that. And, uh, and you know, if, if you broke an arm or something, no big deal, just, just, just put some dirt on it, it'll, it'll get better. So that was the ramps I'm used to. But biblical ramps bring you to a whole nother level, bring you to a whole nother season. And so the crossing over from the years in the wilderness through the Jordan River and coming into a place of walking in the promised land, which is really your purpose land, walking in all that God has for you. That's what this ramp season is. We're crossing the Jordan River. I feel like 40 years ago, God called, and I'm 50, so it's not quite 40, but the, the analogy is a long time ago, God called me into ministry, and I feel like I'm right now, I feel like he's right now getting ready to use me. Not that he's used me, and not that, not, not that he's not used me, not that he's not done really good things but I I'm I'm just sensing this all around me in me through me it's almost like a relaunch I know I'm 50 but it's it feels like I'm 20 and and I feel like God is relaunching things I feel like he's doing this new thing and I feel like he's relaunching and I feel like we are literally crossing over the Jordan River going into this promised land for your family this church family for this city for this region and even international and I believe there's going to be 
be overflow in ways that you haven't even calculated yet. That's ramp. And so the verse I want to tell you is from Joshua chapter 3. You can just look on the screen for sake of time because I got a boogie this morning. Verse 5, as Joshua is leading the people in, he says, And Joshua said to the people, Sanctify yourselves. For tomorrow, which tomorrow can represent like tomorrow as in a day, or it can represent a short period of time like in the future, like the next season. So sanctify yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. I'm telling you, I, I feel that by the Lord, that we've, we've been long enough on this one mountain and now God's carrying us through. But here's the thing, not everyone's going to want to go. Some people felt comfortable with their inheritance in the wilderness because that's what they knew and that's what they wanted. And, and they wanted to stay on the, on the other side of the Jordan. They didn't want to cross the Jordan. They felt more comfortable saying, we're content here. Well, I'm not content here, not because I'm ambitious. That has been crucified in me. Matter of fact, I'd rather not do as much. You get a little bit older, the word recliner becomes more... In, instead of like, Redeemer, Restore, let's go do something. How about let's not do something? How about that? We'll go to Dairy Queen. You want to do that? So now that I'm a place where I've crucified selfish ambition and trying to build something for Jesus, I'm at a point where he can actually build something through me. And that's crossing over the Jordan. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you, for those who want to re- walk in all that Jesus died to give you, not one thing more, He's gifted you. He's he's ordained a sphere of influence for you. Not one thing above that. Not one thing beyond. We're not trying to get God to do something that we want. We're simply walking in what he's already ordained. And not letting a religious mindset, an insecure mindset, or a selfish mindset, a dysfunctional mindset, talk us out of what Jesus died to bring us into. And so we need to walk full throttle. If God created you to be an eight-cylinder, then being a four-cylinder is not an option. You need to walk in all that God has for you. You need to cross over to this promised land. And guess what? There's going to be giants in this land that are going to attack you. And the attack is not evidence you're going the wrong direction. The attack is evidence you're going the right way. And some people won't go. They'll stay short. And guess what? They can stay there if they want to. I'm not mad at them. I'm not against them. They can stay wherever they want. But I'm going to pastor a group of people. Sarah and I are going to pastor a group of people that are, remember like Veggie Tales? We're going to the promised land. That's kind of what this thing's about and what that looks like for you, for your family, and for this church family. Sanctify yourselves. That means set yourself apart. Have some expectation of God's at work. The enemy's at work. People's flesh is at work. But God's at work. And that's what I'm going to focus on. That's what I'm going to focus on. So the next word uh, that I want to give you is a word to fathers. And this is Joshua 1.9. This is a specific in prayer that I felt like God gave me a word to fathers. Joshua 1.9. Um, have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. This is one of those crossing over mentalities. And as fathers, you're leaders. I believe the Bible teaches that, that fathers are, are heads and they are leaders and husbands are, are head of the household. They are leaders. I believe it is an equal partnership, but, but there is a leader. There is a leader. I don't, I don't believe in, in some kind of old time thing where people say women just use any husband. that says, woman, sub, submit to me because God said so. They don't know what the Bible's talking about. It's an equal partnership, but the man and the father 
is the head of the household. And he should be leading, a servant leader, not a control freak. A servant leader who loves, who, who says, I'm going to be strong and I'm going to be of good courage. What, what that basically means is you're going to have like this established strength. That word strong means established to where you, you can't be moved. But the, the word of good courage actually means, so I'm strong, I can't be moved. I'm not going to be moved. In this culture we live in, I'm not going to be moved. In the pressures that we live in, I'm not going to be moved. When my kids won't clean their rooms, I'm not going to be moved. But then of good courage, that speaks to being bold and being alert. Because there is an enemy. And you need to be praying protection and you need to be on the lookout. Not in fear and not in suspicion, but in rightly guarding your household. Be strong and of good courage. And then it says, do not be afraid nor be dismayed. Fear, we all know what fear is. It's, it's that thing that causes us to shrink back. But this word, this word dismayed is, is, is a really cool word, um, and, it, and it means to be um, cast down, like you, you're slipping, you're going down to different levels. It means to be brought down to a different level. See, ramp is you're coming up to a new level, going from faith to faith, from glory to glory. But see, this word dismayed means you're going, you're going to a lower level. You're losing ground. You're, you're going backwards and you're going down. That's what this word dismay, and it means through discouragement. It means through violence. It means through intimidation or manipulation. That somebody is intimidating you. Somebody's manipulating you. Somebody's uh, coming at you with violence. Wanting you, bullying you to shrink back and step down. What I feel like the Lord is saying is sanctify yourselves, church family. For tomorrow, in this next season, the Lord is going to begin to release amazing wonders in and through you. So in order to do that, we need the leaders in the house, in the church house, and in business. We need the leaders to quit being corruptible, quit being prideful, quit being self-seeking. Let all that be crucified and be strong and courageous. And do not fear nor be dismayed. You stand. You stand because the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. That means Christ in you is a hope of glory. You have what you need wherever you are. You're a man of God. You're a woman of God. You have what you need. Remember who he is. Remember who you are. And watch what the Lord does in our lives. Amen? All right, let me get to today's sermon. <laughs> um, our Father's heart towards women. I'm going to finish this up next week. And next week, we're actually ordaining somebody as a pastor here. Uh, we'll, next week, Miss Cheryl Yates will be ordained as our worship pastor. <laughs> Everyone who knows Cheryl, I've heard a few people say she's more righteous than Jesus. <laughs> she's like, she's squared away, y'all. She squared away. And I want to just speak my, my heart to you. There's a, there's, I might do a video series later on walking through all the nuts and bolts of this, but I'm telling you, in my opinion, now you listen to me, don't run out of here. You, we have relationship. You know I'm not, just, I'm not just making stuff up. You need to listen to me. There's a lot of people who love Jesus, who their intention is to fight for the gospel. Their intention is to fight for truth. But in my biblical opinion, they are not rightly dividing the word of truth. And they mean very well, and they're trying to uphold the gospel and honor God. But they've been, they, they do not interpret scripture in, in, in what I believe is an accurate way. And they take a couple scriptures out of context, 
and reframe a, a thing that diminishes women. There's churches right now, the Southern Baptist Convention is even restricting and doing more things to, to say women can't be in ministry. Many of you have probably been raised and taught women cannot be in ministry and cannot be in leadership. And what I want to tell you is I completely and totally disagree with that. Amen. Completely. Listen. Yeah. Okay. And, and my heart is the people I disagree with, I know they love Jesus. I know they're fighting for the gospel. So I'm not coming against their passion. I'm just saying, would you reconsider? And I just want to come even to some of you just to say, can I put a reason of doubt in your mind? Can I put a reason of logic in your mind? To say that, that Jesus is not disqualifying half of the body of Christ from ministry that he's gifted them and anointed them to, to do. And Jesus in the, in the kingdom, he's always, they're always fighting culture. The Jewish people wouldn't, wouldn't, wouldn't work with Gentiles. And there was a cultural thing to where Peter had to have a, a revelation of the sheet coming down, you know, about clean and unclean and that whole story. But, and to reveal to him what was already true, but because of cultural and religious blind spots and prejudices and traditions, God had to re-reveal to them the original truth that, that I saved you, I saved Israel to be a mouthpiece to the nations. I didn't save Israel um, in, in, out of all the other nations. I saved you to go reach everybody else. But through their cultural blindness and traditional blindness, they did not honor uh, the, the word of God, the purpose of God, the intentions of God. And so there was traditions of men that made a word of God of no effect. And God has always been working to demolish those in cultures as he brings the kingdom of God to invade the different cultures. And by the way, the enemy has been attacking the woman from, from the very beginning. And so my heartbeat in this is not to, not to some progressive mindset of culture, and I'm approaching this from a culture of perspective of, listen, our culture is in a different place now. And so from a place of culture and cultural narrative and, and social pressure or social whatever, the Bible is outdated, and we need to go past the Bible and go into the progressive reality of culture. And, and we need to liberate women. I'm not coming from that perspective at all. Because I think that's a dangerous and devilish perspective. I'm going back to the original truth of the word of God and saying we have gotten off a little bit and need to come back to the truth and rightly divide the word of truth. So this is not a cultural plea. This is not a political plea. This is a kingdom plea. This is a heart from the father. That's why I felt like he said do it on Father's Day. I almost felt like at first, that's weird. Why would I do that on Father's Day? And I'm really, I'm sensing the Lord is saying because this is my heart for women. This is my heart for women. So let's look at this for a second. So the Old Testament, you have Micah 6.4. It says, I brought you up out of Egypt and redeemed you from the land of slavery. And I sent, watch, God, watch what God says. I sent Moses to lead you, also Aaron and Miriam. So right there, Old Testament proof. I sent Moses, Aaron, his brother, and his sister Miriam to lead you. Right there. So you can't take one or two verses out of context and not inline it with the rest of Scripture. And then Psalm 68, I love this one, verse 11. The Lord gives the command, the women who proclaim, and some of your Bibles will say the company, but that in Hebrew, that word is feminine, and it speaks to women, a company of women. 
So the Lord gives the command, the women who proclaim good news are a great army. I'm going to tell you right now, if I came up and I faced an army, I'm just going to tell you, just practice. If I came up and faced an army, a bunch of men, morons, and a bunch of mad women, I'd run from the women every single time. Every single time, be like, I'm gone. The men, I could, whatever. The women, I'm out. They will cut you. A great army. And so no wonder the enemy wants to come and take the voice out of women. No wonder the enemy wants to come and devalue them and prop up this ego pride in men of women. You know, they were deceived. Well, the man disobeyed. The man was right there the whole time. There's no way you look at Scripture and interpret it. Oh, the woman did the greater sin. No, the man did the greater sin. The man should have stood up. So people use that mindset to say women are gullible like you're not a moron. The man rightly, he, he knowingly disobeyed. So there's no way to say, well, the woman, they're just real gullible. You can't put them in leadership because they're real gullible. That's just totally unbiblical. And so some other Old Testament things, you can look at them. Deborah was a prophetess and a judge. Huldah was a prophetess. Isaiah's wife was called a prophetess. That's a few, and there's more, guys, there's more. But there's a few Old Testament. Look on, on the next page of your notes. New Testament, you have Anna. She's the one that prophesied uh, in, about, about Christ and, and just this powerful prophecy about his life. You have the Samaritan woman who Jesus was speaking to the Samaritan woman. And then the woman went and she preached the gospel basically saying, come see this man and the whole city came because of her. Seems like Jesus would have been like, whoa, 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 whoa. You're not supposed to be doing that. You're not supposed to be sharing that stuff to men. Women should be silent. Whoops. Many disciples, Luke chapter 8, if you read that, just read some of that. Luke chapter 8, these women, there was the disciples. People say, well, Jesus chose 12 Disciples. Well, that's true. He chose them to become apostles and they were all men, but he had a group of 120 that followed them and many of them were women. And a disciple is somebody in the very nature of the word disciple is someone that if you're going to be a disciple, you're going to disciple others. And there's not this claim where Jesus says, okay, okay, listen, listen, I want you to go. Great commission. Go into all the world. Men, go wherever you want. Women, only go to women. Because then if you really believe that women should just be silent and not do anything, uh, then, and then we wa- if you really believe that, if you really believe that, then women should not be teaching our kids. Our male kids. No, no, they're kids. Well, the Bible doesn't say kid. It says let they not teach a man. So if you really believe and you want to rightly divide the word of truth, then women can't teach anybody but females. Which is totally unbiblical. And so you try to justify that, blah, 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 blah. That's not what the scripture says. We do some goofy stuff, y'all. And so you see, you see these disciples that were with Jesus, these women disciples that he names. And when he names these women disciples in that culture, that was radical for him to do. He was breaking the mold. He was bringing divine, godly kingdom justice to women to rightly put them where he always saw them. But the culture didn't. And some of these women, Jesus even said, provided for my ministry. 
that these women, not out of their husband's bank account, but these women out of their own bank account, supplied the ministry of Jesus, which tells me they're leaders in the marketplace. The upper room, you see the 120, men and women, they're praying, men and women, they're all praying. The Spirit of God came upon them, they're filled with the Holy Spirit. They start praising God in tongues, they start prophesying to one another. And as they do this, it's men and women. And when Peter stands up to explain, hey, let me tell you all what's going on, he quotes from the prophet Joel saying uh, that God will pour His Spirit out upon all flesh, your sons and your are going to prophesy. Philip in the New Testament has four daughters that are prophets, that are ministering. In 1 Corinthians 11, uh, you see Paul where he's talking about headship. And and I believe, and there's a whole teaching to go with this, I believe uh, men are the leaders, husbands are the leaders of the household in in an equal partnership, but they are they have a, a, a headship in that and there's 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 more to that story. I just can't don't have time to break it down. But but Paul says in the midst of that about women praying and prophesying with their head covered. It doesn't it's not talking about some people you just gotta wear a hat. You gotta wear it's not talking about wearing a hat and not wearing a hat. And even if it was, it was to a cultural issue right in that day. What he's saying, honor the culture issues. When we go to Mexico, I can't be, I can't be talking bad about tacos. Culturally, that ain't cool, right? And so he's talking to some of that stuff. And, but the point he makes in it, the thing that's clear is he, he says in 1 Corinthians 11 that the women are praying and prophesying in the church. So there's no way going a few scriptures later that he's now saying women must keep silent and not say a word. He just got done saying in 1 Corinthians 11 that they should be saying. And then Romans 16, you see Junia, who is an apostle. An apostle, I said it, a woman apostle. Right there in the Bible. You see Phoebe, who's a deaconess. Priscilla and Aquila. Aquila is the husband. And in Romans 16, uh, Priscilla is named first. And that's not by accident or just coincidence. In the Bible, they would write the, the, the one who had uh, more of the influence first. That's why sometimes you see, you see Barnabas and Saul, and then other times you see, later on, you see uh, Saul or Paul and Barnabas. Because something changed, a dynamic change in the relationship to where more authority from God was given to, to Paul versus Barnabas in influence and authority. And so when you see Priscilla, the wife, who's a, a teacher and pastors in their house church, You see her name listed first. It's basically in the equivalent, what you would say, Joyce Meyer, and I forget what her husband's name is. Dave. Joyce and Dave. Now, Dave is the head of the house, but Joyce is the one leading in the ministry. That's what's happening here. Now, you don't have to believe that. That's totally fine. You don't have to believe that. But I believe that's, in, when you look at the context of Scripture, this is what it's saying. Now, I want to look in 1 Corinthians 14, and I want to read something and break this, this next part down. First Corinthians 14, because this is all talking about spiritual gifts, by the way. The flow and operation of spiritual gifts. Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. But if you look down to verse 26, um, in, in between verse the first 25 verses of this chapter, he's breaking down practical ways of how, how the, the 
prophecy and tongues and all that should operate in a healthy public setting in church and in life groups and things like that. So verse 26, we'll start there. When you got it, say got it. How is it then, brethren? Which, by the way, the word brethren, the word brethren, by the way, the word brethren can speak to a company of male or female. We call it sisters, but the word brethren is that broad of a thing. It could, there's other times you see where there's a mixed company and it's brethren, including women. But we see brethren, we think, see, it's men, it's only men, men, men. How is it, brethren, whenever you come together, each of you has a psalm, has a teaching, has a tongue, uh, has a revelation, has an interpretation. Let all things be done for edification. So this is the subject matter. This is what he's talking about. Now watch verse 27. If anyone. Hey, guess what the word anyone means? Anyone. Speaks in a tongue. Let there be two or at the most three. And in turn, let each one interpret. But if there is no interpreter, let him Keep silent. Boy, y'all real quiet too right now. In the church. Let him, so that word him, speak to himself, and that word himself and to God is a word that literally, the word himself literally means himself or herself. Because it's talking about anyone. So believe it or not, Paul right there, like he's echoing what he said in 1 Corinthians 11, is I want women prophesying and praying in church. And anyone, man or woman who does, if somebody else is stepping up or whatever, in order to keep peace and order and not get dysfunctional, let the man or woman who's speaking out in church be silent, which means hold your peace. Have self-control. Don't be disruptive. That's what he's speaking to. That's what he's speaking to. And then verse 29. Let two or three prophets speak and let others judge. Verse 30. But if anything is revealed to another who sits by, let him keep silent. So now he's talking about the prophets. Let a prophet speak. But if another one comes up to say something, he said, let the first one keep silent. We ain't even to the women yet. <laughs> for God, verse 33, for God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in the churches of the saints. Let Now, some of y'all Bibles say you're women. That's not truly in there. It's really let women, and that word women is also the word for wife. So let women or wives keep silent. So, so far, three people he said keep silent. In the churches, for they are not permitted to speak, but they are submissive, as the law also says. Which that's a very, there's lots of debate about this, this, this verse right here. Uh, because there's nowhere in the law where it says, woman, be silent. There's nowhere in the law. Nowhere in the law. You can, you can speak to authority that was given with Adam and with female Adam, because she wasn't called Eve until after the fall, but even their partnership was equal. He is the head. He's commissioned as the head, but even their a helpmeet is an equal, not a lesser. So this phrasing of in the law, it's, 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 there's confusion about that with some people. It's just, this can be tough text to look at, but I just want to give reasonable doubt to say what it's not saying. And so verse uh, 
35. And if they want to learn something, let them ask their own husbands. So now we believe he's talking about wives at home, for it is shameful for a woman to speak in church. Uh, or did the now verse or did the word of God uh, come originally from you or was it? You only that it reached. For if anyone thinks himself to be a prophet or spiritual, let him acknowledge these things which I write to you are the commandment of the Lord. But if anyone is ignorant, let him be ignorant. Therefore, brethren, desire earnestly to prophesy and do not forbid to speak in tongues. Let all things be done decently and in order. And so there's lots of stuff where scholars debate about some of this text. Some say that verse um, 34 and 35 um, are actually at the end. Some manuscripts have it at the end, kind of, of this chapter. Others say it wasn't even in there to begin with. The point is, it doesn't even matter. It doesn't even matter. Uh, if you look at your notes, you see, you see the three people that he's saying keep silent. The first blank is anyone. He's saying anyone who's doing stuff disorderly keeps silent. That could be male or female. Anyone keeps silent. Don't be disruptive. Then he says to the prophets. The second one is the prophets. And that prophets means him or her, himself or herself. Keep silent. Don't be disruptive. And the third one is women or wives. And textually, it looks very clear that he's speaking about wives. Because in that culture, the women normally, because of the cultural barriers and, and, and injustice things that were happening in the culture, the women weren't educated like the men It's in, in most in most cases. So just the phrasing of let women learn is a really powerful phrase. Is empowering the women to learn. And so, uh, you know, one of the and, and, and then but he says, keep silent, meaning meaning you don't be you, you're not supposed to be disruptive. You're not supposed to be uh, whether it's speaking a prophetic thing or speaking in tongues or whatever. You're not supposed to interrupt and be disruptive or when the thing is being interpreted and, and being judged as if this is this from God or is it not from God? that you don't have these quarrelsome, or I think it's from God, I don't think it's from God. You don't do that stuff publicly to be disruptive. And so, so I think the scripture, clear. I think it's clear as a bell. Some of you might be struggling with it, and it's okay if you're struggling with it. I used to believe the other way. I used to be a woman keeps silent in the church kind of thing, but I was scared to tell anybody woman that. Because <laughs> I didn't understand it. And, and I skipped one thing earlier because I wanted to focus on it right now. In John chapter 20, Jesus himself, Jesus himself gave the most important message. The most important message to a woman. Jesus himself gave, gave the seed of the gospel. To a woman. And if his heart towards women was they're too easily deceived. And therefore they cannot carry ministry or cannot be leaders trusted with leadership. Then I think he would have said, hey, here's the gospel. Hey, could you go get Peter? We need one of the boys. Could you go get Peter? Because I don't want this to be messed up. Nothing. No, again, bake some cupcakes while you're at it. And then bring Peter, because he's a man, Ugh, man. <laughs> Jesus himself gave the, she was an apostle to the apostles. 
And next week we'll go into the other stuff in Timothy, breaking all that stuff down. I used to believe the other way. Worship team, you can come on up. I used to believe the other way until I heard Jack Hayford break some of this stuff down. And I'm telling you, I was listening to Jack Hayford, and my head just went sideways like, what? I've never heard that in my life. And so here's the deal. I just want you to know, I'm not against people who, who are love God and who are trying to, in their mind, protect and defend the gospel. And they're saying that women should not be in ministry. I'm not against them. They love Jesus. But I'm telling you, I believe they are believing a lie, no question. And I believe they are allowing the enemy to empower that lie to silence at least half of the body of Christ. See, I'm not even talking about the women in history. I could have a whole sermon series about the women that God have used in history where you can see their fruit and their testimony of how they not only planted churches but did revivals and, and changed nations and signs, wonders, and miracles were a part of their life. And, and women did stuff that men wouldn't dare to do uh, and some of the greatest, uh, largest churches right now in the world, fastest growing churches are in places like Iran and they're led, the pastors are women leading thousands upon thousands of Muslims to the Lord. And over here in the States, women cannot be pastors. And like you're standing up for some truth when, when, when I say this with much compassion because I know the integrity of some of these people's heart and they're trying to rightly divide the word of truth, but it's, it's not true. There's no way you can say for sure that God is at all times for all people making this statement for all generations that women should keep silent. And that's what he's doing. When chapter, a few chapters earlier and other places were in Paul's own writings, he's celebrating the women in ministry, celebrating the women in leadership. There's no way he's contradicting that. He's just bringing order. He's just bringing order to it. And so I just want you to know, this pastor believes when God, when God has anointed and appointed a woman for ministry and leadership, I'm all good with it. I'm all good with it. And I'm not attacking people who don't believe that. I'm just trying to say, I'm just trying to say, the devil, he's been attacking women since the beginning. There is a preacher who is making comments about this subject recently in the news. And I'm not even going to say what he said. It doesn't even merit. It doesn't even, matter of fact, I'm not even going to say it. But the mentality that leads, I can't imagine what, I'd had people when I was called, when I was called into the ministry, I did have people come to me. It wasn't because of my gender, it was because I didn't, you know, my elevator at that time didn't go all the way up. But I had people come to me and say, you're not called into ministry. I don't know what that felt. I know how much it hurt when I felt like God was doing that. I can't imagine, and that was just because of my, you know, a mental thing or whatever. It wasn't because of a gender. See, I can change my mental capacity. I can't change my gender. And I'm going to say this, and I'm probably going to get in trouble, but I'm going to say this with compassion. This is how crazy people think. <laughs> in our culture, for church leaders, it's not surprising that some would say, well, women can't be leaders. But there will be some churches that would say, so confused, so dysfunctional. And I'm not trying to be funny. I'm trying to, this is going to be, I don't know what it's going to be for you. 
But you, as a woman, you can't be a leader because that's what the Bible says. But you can change your sex and become a man. Then you could lead. That's how distorted our culture is right now. So I'm not preaching this from a cultural perspective. I'm preaching this from a biblical perspective of let's go back to what God's heart has been the whole time. And let's speak to older women, younger women, um, and let's speak and say, listen, if God has called you, we want to help mentor you and mature you so you can rightly, not in a place of disorder, not in some unhealthy thing of women's liberation, but in this thing of representing Christ well. You know them by their fruits. And so we're not going to silence women. The crazy ones we will. (laughs) So, and I believe, the reason why we're doing it today, this is one, just like spiritual gifts and all the other things we've been talking about, blessed to be a blessing, uh, prosperity for the purpose of generosity, all the things we've been learning. This has been, you know, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. All these things we've been learning, gifts of the Spirit, all this stuff, and, and, and this being one of them, women in ministry, is key and crucial to be part of our ramp to cross over to the other side because we're going to need everybody in the promised land. We're going to need everybody in the promised land. So here's what I'd like to do. I want the the prayer team to go ahead and come on up. We have a team of people that are here to pray with you, no matter what you're going through, no matter what you're struggling with. If you're facing a burden, they want to pray with you. If If you're a man or a woman here today and you... This, this thing has been hard for you and you just say, God, I want, I want, I believe, but help my unbelief or God, I, okay, I see what you're saying, but I still have some struggle. You walk it out with God. If you want some prayer about that, you can come. If you've been, if you're a woman, you feel like or sense like you've been called to ministry. Maybe you can come and say, listen, I feel like this is what God's doing in my life. I want someone to agree with me. And this is the safe place to find agreement. If you're here and you've never given your life to Lord, that means, that means if you were to die right now today, If you were to die right now today, you don't have confidence that you would be in heaven. And you know the Lord's drawing you, like just leading you a little bit. What you do is you come to these one of these people and say, I need to give my life to Jesus. I need to stop running. I need to give my life to Jesus. Stop wasting time. And some of you have, you know, you know the Lord, but man, you've been struggling. You've been so far from him doing your own thing. And you know, you need to repent. You know, that pride needs to be broken. You've not been taken out of your ministry because of your gender, but you've been taken out of your ministry because of your disobedience. And you need to step right back into it because the gifts and callings are irrevocable. And so you need to come and repent. Quit playing. And some of you are weary, and it's just hard. You're just weary, and you're tired. But that's why you come. You come and say, listen, I need fresh oil. And you come. So whatever you need, maybe there's sickness in your body, you come. Maybe you know the Lord wants to just, you, you know you want the gifts of the Spirit activated and you be filled with the Holy Spirit. You want someone to pray with you about that. You come, any need, any need you have whatsoever, just come to the altar and worship the Lord. We'll do at least one song here and, and let's just bless the Lord. So Father, in Jesus' name, as those come, Lord, we pray that you, Holy Spirit, just meet them right where they're at. Break off shame. Break off guilt. Break off fear. Break off confusion. 
and release a spirit of wisdom and revelation and life in Jesus' name. Let's worship him, church family. Thanks again for listening to the Faith Center podcast. To connect with us, go to faithcenter.tv and fill out our connection card. We pray blessings over you and your family. We'll see you next time.